Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Mac and Jet Sports Show as we're on live, starting you up on your Northeastern Sports Day here uh, as uh, as almost the leadoff show most times. I mean, we got a couple other ones that go, or one that goes on before us sometimes certain days, but we're just getting you started here with your sports cup of coffee as we're live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, legendary boxing writing Hall of Famer himself, Jack Hirsch. We're here to bring you sports updates, news, and takes. Good morning, Jack. How you doing? Good, Mac. I got a good night's sleep last night, so I'm kind of raring. I slept through the whole night, and then all of a sudden I get up and I say I have to do the show. I could have slept some more, but we got what? this show up, but I'm raring to go. Okay. Love talking sports. Yes, me too. So... Hello to everybody on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. As we're going live, we'll be at other destinations later on in the day. Big news coming up, folks. We're going to be having uh, our own Roku channel at Northeast Streaming Sports, where you get to see all the shows on the big screen right in your living room. So that's coming up 3 January as it, as it goes along with all the other outlets we're on. Good morning, Keith. Glad to have you in. Jack, you know, sports keeps going all the time, and I love reading, uh, uh, looking at stories about sports from my past, people we used to watch and people we used to enjoy to watch. And on Christmas Day, they're doing a documentary on John Madden of his coaching career, which he was a very, very successful coach. A lot of people don't realize that because they've seen him as a commentator. They play that video game he has. But he was a very successful coach. Coach for 10 years, he went to seven titles as far as the AFC uh, division titles. And he won one Super Bowl. Very good coach. Went on to comment uh, with Pat Summerall. He hooked up with Pat Summerall. And from then on, it just took off. Very, very animated man. Used the chalkboard before anybody else did to explain football to the novice out there. Mm. And, you know, when he said block, boom. And, it, you know, he was so animated. And fun to watch. Him and Summerall dominated uh, NFL commentating for a long time. So Christmas Day, Jack, I don't know if you're going to watch it, but they have a 90-minute uh, uh, documentary that they're going to be doing on Fox. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, with John Madden, the common man could relate to him. That's what made John Madden so popular over the years. He was the type of guy you'd like to sit there and watch a game with, have a beer with, talk with. And he was never condescending in any way, shape, or form when he talked to the viewer. He didn't dazzle you with X's and O's, and you never thought that he was talking down on you. And he never gave the impression, well, I know more football than you know, so listen to me. It was like sitting watching the game with a friend of yours. And, and right. you know, by all reports, He's a very nice guy as well, just a very basic, common guy. And he never had negative controversies with his players during all the years he was the Raider coach. Uh, the players seemed to like him, and he was a disciplinarian. They respected him, very fair man. He, Al Davis liked the heck out of him, his owner, you yeah. know, as well. Uh, good, good guy. The most iconic NFL broadcast of all time, you know, far and away. We've had a lot of good ones and tremendous respect to the other ones, but there's only one John Madden. You know, Jack, what I what I enjoyed about him, and of course, you know, I, I've been around football for almost, you know, my all my life coaching and playing. 
he gave credit to people that you wouldn't give credit to, right? He didn't just talk about the quarterbacks or the running backs. He talked about the fullbacks and the blocking on the line and, the you know, what the defense was doing. And it's such a way that was interesting because most times, as you say, you know, it sounds like you're talking down to you. It can get boring. But with him, it wasn't boring. You know, he used to, like I said, the chalkboard before anybody else did on in, in TV so that he could explain what was going on. But – I mean, the way he explained the game, as excited as he got about the game, it made you excited. And Pat Summerall was a perfect straight man for him. Another knowledgeable guy who was a great broadcaster in his own right. But he was like the straight man where Madden was like the, you know, the entertainment guy. But I just, I just, I just know that when you watched uh, Fox, you know, football on Fox, John Madden, I mean, I, he made the most boring game seem interesting because there was a lot more going on than people knew during the game. And this is where his, his, uh, I think his quality of broadcasting came in. Not only, not only was he fun and like a guy you know down the street and non-condescending, he, may, he taught people about football in a fun way. Well, he made you enjoy the game. That was the thing. You know, at the end of the day, Football is about entertainment. Sports is about entertainment. When we watch the game, even though we enjoy the competitiveness, uh, we're there there to be entertained. That's all what sports is. It's entertainment for us as fans. I mean, they're competitors on the field, and we're entertained by the competitive nature of the game. And Madden made you enjoy it. I mean, he made you feel like you were sitting in the stands with him. He was the type of guy... You want it in your living room, sitting with you, watching the game and discussing things. Okay. He was that type of guy and, you know, just iconic, likable. I mean, how could you not like John Madden? I mean, how many times did you hear someone talk in contempt about John Madden? They do that about every other analyst, even though they might have a lot of fans. There's a small segment who doesn't like them. But I never heard anyone say a negative thing. Oh, I don't like John Madden. John Madden's this. John Madden's a big blowhard. You know, no one ever said that because John Madden w- was real. He He's genuine. I mean, that's what people like about it. They like someone who's truly genuine. And John Madden's genuine. And he knew the game. Knew the game very well. Uh, you know, being a former coach and expert. So, you, so when you like a guy and you respect a guy... You're going to listen to his point of view as far as football a little more. And he reached all type of fans, the hardcore football fan, the casual fan. I mean, how could you not like John Mann? He's the type of guy you'd want to invite over your house, just Thanksgiving, sit down. He'd be jovial. You had, you'd have a great time in his company. And, and, and that's what really made John Madden. And, you know, he he's the one that started handing out the turkey legs at Thanksgiving. He brought up Thanksgiving. He's the and and you would always be entertained because he didn't want to take a play. He never flew. He had his own bus. The Madmobile. Yeah, he would go from the East Coast to the West Coast on that bus, and the network had to put up with it. He was not going to fly. Period. And that's one thing the network put up with. And as you said, with the have over Thanksgiving, he's the one that started handing out uh, that turkey leg for Thanksgiving that everybody else has tried to. That's interesting, Mac. I never gave this thought before. But when he coached the Raiders all those years, did he not fly or did he decide at a certain point not to fly? Because if you're in Oakland 
and you're playing the Jets and your team's flying to New York and you've got to drive cross country, you're missing a little time with the team. Yeah. Now, I'm sure Madden would have a few drivers and I'm not sure the amount of hours. It might be about 36 hours and they go nonstop. But regardless, you're missing a lot of time. And can you imagine in the Madden Mobile, you're studying game film and cramming it all in? You know? I, I, don't, I don't know I how it worked at the time, but that, yeah. that's interesting if you're coaching and you're not flying and you have to go cross country because you're losing that segment of time. With the team, yeah, that's good. Maybe he did fly back then. I don't Maybe, know. Maybe, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. So in the NBA, Jack, um, you know, we had the Hawks. Uh, beating the 76ers 98-96, the Pacers over the Rockets, the Pelicans get by the Magic, the Wizards over the Knicks 124-117. He beat the Pistons, Bucks got past the Mavericks, Jazz outshot the Timberwolves, Suns roll over the Thunder, Hornets beat the Nuggets, Warriors over the Grizzlies, and the Spurs beat up the Lakers. The Christmas Day games, we have a bunch of them, Jack. Uh, Hawks at the Knicks. Celtics at the Bucks, the Nets at the Lakers, the Warriors at the Suns, and the Mavericks at the Jazz. So as every NBA season, you have a bunch of Christmas games. Mm. Just Let's a little comment on the games. I'm tired of Doc Rivers saying his team didn't come out with the intensity they should have. They lose to the Atlanta Hawks last night. Joel Embiid was in the lineup. They were basically healthy, yet they lose to the Atlanta Hawks in – but I don't want to hear the team wasn't ready to play as hard as they should have. It's it's your job to get them ready. Doc Rivers is a very likable man. He's had success as an NBA coach, and he's also been disappointing as an NBA coach. He has an NBA championship to his credit when he coached the Celtics, but he, he's been disappointing for a number of seasons as well. But he's got a great personality, and he seems like, a good guy, but I'm tired of that, that standard line. Also, uh, kudos to Kemba Walker. You know, he scored 44 points last night, 28 in the second half, but the Knicks lose to the Wizards. Yeah. It's a tough business. It's going to be a long year for the New York Knicks, unfortunately. Sure. Sure I don't it. think there's any coming back this year. If anyone has any dreams about them being a fourth seed, fifth seed, sixth seed, forget about it. I, I mean, right. it's going to be a long, long year. But the question is, what do you do going forward? I mean, this is not to say the Knicks can't have some success the rest of the year and win some games and maybe stabilize to a degree. But they're big decisions to make going forward. What exactly is the nucleus of the team? Julius Randle has cooled off. He's still very good. Kemba Walker is basically trade bait now. You don't put a guy in the doghouse for about 10, 12 games and not play him at all. And then all of a sudden start playing him and he plays like the star he will, you know, he was before he came to the Knicks and expect him to be part of the Knicks future. Obi Toppin, I just don't know about whether he's going to be a staple of that team going forward. Don't tell me about young players like quickly. I'm tired of that whole thing. Derek Rose is hurt, but he's an older veteran. You know, the future of the Knicks, I don't know. I think Thibodeau took him as far as they could go last year, did a great coaching job. I'm not that optimistic unless they could catch lightning in the bottle. Somehow, 
get a star player to come to New York. That's their only hope. The way the team is now, it's mediocre. It's not going to get better in the future unless they can somehow make a big move. And I just don't see how that's going to play out right now. Well, we'll talk a lot more about it when Keith Angle comes in from you know, TGI Sports as he covers the Knicks for us. There's one thing I got to say, Jack. The reason why Randall was better last year because the team was built the way Randall is. Randall's not a great off. I mean, he can score. Don't get me wrong, but he scores out of a defensive uh, strategy. They don't have that strategy anymore, and I don't think he's cooled off as much as the game plan has changed where he's not that type of player. He'll still get your rebounds. He'll still get 20-something points, maybe 30 on a hot night. But the game was more slanted towards Randall last year, which made him a little bit more uh, valuable, a little bit more viable, a lot of these in there, that that he really uh, – it was his game. This year is not so much. So we're going to talk about Keith when he comes in because i got a lot of points to make, and what you're saying is almost right down the same alley I'm thinking. Um I don't think the Knicks are gonna are gonna be in the playoffs this year either. And if they do, it's a wild card playing, and it don't mean nothing anyway. They're not gonna go anywhere. So we'll definitely hit on that. Let's talk a little bit about last night's game with the Titans and the 49ers. A lot of people are saying the 49ers gave the game away. Well, that's part of football. I mean, you know, that happens 80% of the time. You lose, you lose the game. The other team doesn't squarely beat you. That's part of the game. And and that's one another thing I'm tired of. Oh, we could have won if this happened. We could have, but it didn't happen. It's 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 what it is. They, you know, we were in every game, but you didn't win. It doesn't matter. All that stuff is great if you want to make yourself feel good about your team. But bottom line is you didn't win. And at the end of the year, that's all that matters. And I don't care how you win, what way you win. If you recover a fumble, run for a touchdown, if they didn't fumble, you wouldn't know what. That's nonsense. The game is what the game is. And the 49ers made a couple of mistakes last night, and Titans took advantage of it. The Titans aren't a team that's going to do anything in the playoffs, Jack. I know that already. They're definitely yeah. going to make the playoffs. The Colts will probably be the wild card because if Tennessee lost last night, my prediction might have came true where the Colts would have won the division. They didn't. They beat the 49ers. You had Garoppolo throwing for over 300 yards, but one TD, but two interceptions, one one going into the end zone of the Titans, big turnover. Tannehill wasn't didn't throw us for many yards, right? He threw for 209 yards, one TD, but won 22 for 29. What that tells me is very accurate. He kept the the drives alive, and he did a good job throwing the ball. He didn't get he took care of the football. And after the first half, when it looked like San Francisco was going to beat the hell out of the Titans, Titans look terrible. Second half, the Titans come back, and the 49ers look terrible. It's a crazy game. A crazy year for the Titans. They're going to win their division. They're going to go to the playoffs. And to think they lost in the regular season to the Texans and the Jets. Who would have thought they'd lose to the Texans and Jets, yet they're going to win their division? Now, the NFL is about closing games out. And the 49ers had commanded a game. They were up 10 nothing at the half and kind of let it slip away. You know, I, but the 49ers are the type of team, if they get in the playoffs, they could be very dangerous. Oh, yeah. The Titans, like you said, I don't think they're going anywhere in the playoffs. I'd be surprised if they won a playoff game. I mean, the loss to Derrick Henry, they've kind of like disguised it for the most part so far this year. Kudos to the Texans. Mike Rabel 
has done his usual excellent coaching job there. But I think that comes back to haunt you in the playoffs. You don't have Der- Derek Henry. You don't have your workhorse, you know, who can move the chains for you the same way. But big win for the Titans. And the Colts are not going to win the division now, barring something miraculous. But if they keep winning, you know, they'll be there in the playoffs themselves. So, you know, the Titans and the Colts in that division will both be there. Well, Derek Henry might be back for the playoffs, Jack. I mean, they're, they're counting that he will be, depending how far they go. But I, even with Derrick Henry, he was there last year. It's just, it's just the Titans don't have something, right? They don't, they don't play consistent. See, I think when you win in football, it's all about consistency, right? The, the, the Patriots over the last two, two decades have been consistent. The Steelers have been consistent. The, 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 uh, the Ravens have been consistent. The Chiefs recently have been consistent. They know how to win. They got the winning down. They're always competitive. They're always in the game. They don't lose to a team very much, not like not like Titans did this year, that they're not supposed to lose to. They normally win those games. The ones they normally lose are when they get they, they make mistakes against a good team. That's that's normally what happens with really good teams. I mean, the Bucs and the Saints are a different thing. The Saints, for some reason, they have Tom Brady's number. I don't know what they say to him. I don't know what they do to him. I don't know what it is about the Saints and the Bucks. It's just a bad matchup for Brady and the Bucks. I don't know what it is. But other than that, they do have a good coach, by the way, the Saints. But other, other than that, the teams that are always up there, that are always have a shot at the Super Bowl, are the consistent teams that come up with that big win in the playoffs, Jack. Well, I didn't hear – let me just go back to Derrick Henry. I didn't hear about him being ready for the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, he, he might be back right? to the playoffs, yeah. I mean, maybe deep into the playoffs because I haven't heard about him, you know, working out, being ready. Like Mick Akers of the L.A. Rams, he's he's he'll be ready for the playoffs. He's going to be ready maybe in a week or two, you know, to get in a game for the Rams beforehand. And he's invaluable if healthy, and he could do his thing for the Rams because the Rams have certainly missed his presence at running back this year. And I guess that's what the playoffs is about. It's just about peaking, having all your players there, having them all ready. But in this crazy season, everyone could be physically ready, and then there could be a COVID issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think the public and the teams are tolerating – players being out right now because of COVID. But if players have to be out in a big playoff situation, imagine Patrick Mahomes has to be out. He feels fine, but he tests positive. That's when I think there's going to be, you know, real discontent going on what to do. But, you know, we've been there before with this discussion. I'm not sure what the answer is. You're not sure. No one's sure. Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, is making the best thing about this as he could. But listen, these next few weeks are going to be interesting. Like you mentioned, the New Orleans Saints, the last game beating the Buccaneers 9-0. Tom Brady seemed clueless. Everywhere he turned, they were on him. The Saints played an inspired game on defense. Tom Brady didn't have his weapons. There was All his key players on offense were out. So... Would that have made a difference? I'm not sure. You know, if you have a Leonard Fournette and you could ha- hand off to him, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
that would maybe make the Saints be a little less aggressive on the pass rush. But all in all, you know, if you're in the quarterback's face constantly and you have certain schemes, sometimes it doesn't matter who he has a wide receiver tight end. I mean, he's under such duress. You know, he's going to have a hard time getting rid of the ball. Yeah, from what I watched of the game, Jack, even handing off to Fournette did no good. They were stopping him in the backfield. The defense was just – they have a defensive plan against Brady. The, the last two years in the regular season, they've swept – the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they just got their number. They got a matchup. Four games. Four, yeah. last four games in the regular season, but the, but the Buccaneers beat them in the playoffs. How Which do you think that? Counts. Which is what counts, right? Yeah, well, it counts what the most. I mean, yes. listen, I, I mean, that has to kill you in a way if you're a player and you've played a team twice during the regular season. Not once, twice. Beat them twice, and then they beat you in the playoffs. I very mean, hard, that, very that, hard to beat a team. Very hard to beat a team three times. It really is. So let's look at today. Today we got the Browns at Green Bay. Uh, Baker's playing tonight. Tomorrow. Hmm. Tomorrow? Let me see. Wake up a tomorrow. Sorry, Jackie. Tomorrow. Are... Yeah, Mac, it's Friday, not Saturday. Here, yeah, I know you're looking forward to your day off. <laughs> He said, Mac, it could "Give me to tell me, Mac. You were ready to have your beer and pretzels and watch the game today. It's, not, it's Saturday in Korea. Front of the TV said, yes, yes, you have yes. no game today, Mac. That's all right. I can pretend. You have to watch a replay of this show instead. Right. So anyway, tomorrow, as you said, the Browns and Green Bay are are playing tomorrow night, which is going to be very interesting. Baker's ready to play. He's going to be playing. Um." It's more important, of course, for Cleveland than Green Bay. Green uh, Bay's wrapped up. So the pressure is going to be on Cleveland. I don't know if that's good or bad. You can say, well, they'll be fired up. But, of course, then they may make mistakes. All I know is that I think Green Bay is going to beat them pretty handily. I think Green Bay is just a better team right now um, than, than Cleveland. But the AFC has been beating the NFC all year. Last night, Titans beat you know, San Francisco, a very good team that has a shot at going all the way. And it seems this year the AFC has been beating the NFC with regularity, Jack. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can put Rodgers under enough stress to make mistakes, which I don't know if that will be true. If they can control the ball with their running game, which I don't know if they can. And if Baker can make a couple plays, which I don't know if he can. So it should be a good game. Otherwise, uh, other than that, I still think Green Bay handles Cleveland tomorrow, no problem. Mac, call me a believer with the Cleveland Browns. I think they're going into Green Bay and they're winning the game tomorrow. That Baker Mayfield back, other players back off the COVID restriction list. They would have beaten the Raiders at home had they not had a ton of players out and had they not had to go with a third string quarterback. Okay. Uh, and if they beat the Packers, the next two games against the Steelers and the Bengals. So the Browns have a path, you know, to getting into the playoffs, but they've got to win the next three games. Obviously, the biggest obstacle is going into Green Bay. Uh, Green Bay's playing for bye. So every game is big for Green Bay, but it's a little different when you're playing for bye. You tend to sometimes stumble a little bit because every week you're telling yourself, we have to win, we have to win, we have to win. Uh, you make it into must 
game situations when it's really not a must win as far as the playoffs go. But uh, and you don't know how high Green Bay is going to be for that game. You know, they've had other big, you know, games like against the Ravens, for example, a primetime game. You just, you know, Cleveland has to have a sense of desperation. If they're not deflated from losing to the Raiders that game, where they played really hard and they were undermanned, I think they're going to go into Green Bay and they're going to be fine. But if Green Bay should beat Cleveland, Cleveland's chances of making the playoffs become, you know, very, very small. You know, they'd have to win their last two games and, and hope for a lot of luck in that scenario. Right. I don't think – I really don't. I, I, I picked Cleveland to go to Super Bowl with you in the beginning of the year, Jack. I don't think that's going to happen. Don't give up on the Mac. Don't no, give up. Uh, you know what they remind me of? When the Giants won their last Super Bowl, the Giants were nine and seven on the season. They were seven and seven at one point, and it looked over. It looked completely over. And you want to know something? Tony Romo missed on a third down pass. Had it been completed, Dallas would have won game 15 against the Giants that year, and the Giants would have been seven and eight and would have been, you know, eliminated. But instead, Romo overthrew a receiver. The Giants rallied. They won that game, and then they won the following week, and they get in the playoffs as a 9-7 and seven team, and they go on the road, and they win three straight, and then they win the Super Bowl against the yeah, Patriots. I remember that very well. So let's take a little bit of a look at, at Sunday's games. Well, I don't want to break them down like we do on Sunday. I just want to, you know, uh, take a look at some of the stories that are involved in it. So we have – the cards, um, the cards and the Colts also is is another game that day. Now the card Cardinals are very surprising. They jumped off big. I don't know if Kyler Murray's hurt. I don't know what's going on over there at Arizona, but they sure don't look like they did. Detroit walloped them the week before. They they didn't play well, and then you got the Colts coming on strong uh, with their defense and their running game. Wentz playing very well. I mean, I think the Colts beat the Cardinals no problem, Jack. What do you think? I think the Colts are on the upswing. Colts had seven players that went to the Pro Bowl. You know, it's interesting. Kyler Murray got off to a really good start this year, and he was one of three quarterbacks who was voted to the Pro Bowl, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Kyler Murray. There was a little talk that maybe Matthew Stafford got snubbed. Should he have been picked ahead of Kyler Murray? I don't think so in my opinion, but I think what we talked about, I mentioned a week ago, losing DeAndre Hopkins, you know, takes away a little more than explosiveness with the Cardinals. It takes away a little bit of an attitude. You know, when you have that weapon, you know, you could throw to make big plays. It gives you kind of an attitude. When they played the Detroit Lions and they lost them last week, the Cardinals, and lost them decisively, I mean, the Cardinals were just flat. You know, maybe they saw the Lions on their schedule and they figured, we got this. We don't have to be up for this game. But uh, the Colts are the team that's playing well now. They're the team that's dangerous. They're the team with the weapon and running back Jonathan Taylor. The offensive line is healthy, efficient, and one of the better ones in the league again. And the Colts are one of these teams. They're going to be a handful for anyone. No one is going to go in and dominate them. The game's in Arizona. But now the Cardinals have to answer the bell. 
This is the first time in all season they're truly under the microscope for a game because they've been slumping lately. Their position in the playoff standings is slipping. At one point, it looked like they might get a buy altogether. Now, that kind of, you know, that doesn't look good. And a loss to Indianapolis, they're going to be slipping further in the standings over there. And they, you know, and who knows how it's going to play out. They don't have the tie break. I mean, they have the tie break with the Rams, but the tie break is only good if you're finishing up, you know, in the tie. But chances are they're going to slip out of the first place position this week. Yeah, if they lose, they're tied right now with the Rams. They lose. The Rams win. They beat the Rams earlier this season, so they have to tie break on that account. But you get the feeling that the Rams are going to be getting it together. And can Arizona regroup? That's the question. Can they regroup? You know, Jack, the quarterback for the Lions, of course, is Jared Goff. And Jared Goff with the Rams used to beat the Cardinals almost all the time. Is that another matchup or mind thing? I I don't get it because Goff has been playing okay. I mean, he's not on a great team. And he was good with the Rams. He was very consistent. But he had a game against the Cardinals. And it seemed like when he was the Rams, he always was on the winning side with the Rams against the Cardinals too. It's just weird how certain players in matchups just it doesn't make sense in reality. But they play better certain against certain teams. And I think, uh, you know, Goff, knowing what the Cardinals' coverages are and stuff, he just poured it on. No, I don't think that has anything to do with it, Mac. I don't think Jared Goff has the Arizona Cardinals number. I, I mean, I don't think that's the case. I thought when he was with the Rams, the Rams were a better team. And Arizona wasn't as good then as they are now. Keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. This year, Arizona kind of grew up in the beginning of the year. And they showed themselves to be an elite team. They're slumping as a late, but maybe they'll get it together. So I don't think it's – I think it was just a question the Rams being so well balanced. And, look, the Lions have been in a lot of close games this year. They have a terrible record. What are they, two wins, 11 losses, one tie? But, you know, amongst those 11 losses, they've been in the majority of those games. They've been very, very competitive. I mean, I hate to use the cliche, well, they're better than their record indicates i mean you're 211 and one i mean how much worse can you be that's an awful record but they really are better than their record indicates i mean the lions can show up on any given day and maybe compete with any team in the nfl you know on a given day and they and they've shown that by playing the elite teams tough but uh i think it's a question just arizona's hit a slump is there such a thing, Mac, you tell me, for a team to just hit a slump, a collective slump, all the players? Like you, you hear the term slump in baseball, a batter who's not hitting for a while and then he breaks out of it. You tell me, does such a thing exist in football where a team collectively is one giant unit just hits a slump for two, three weeks, and then you know they're going to snap out of it and play up the capabilities. I don't, I don't, I don't know if there's a slump, Jack. I think what happens by the end of the year, you got film out there of what you do now. A team study what you do now, 
And if you're not, if you know, it's no more of a surprise. I, I don't agree with you that the Cardinals are better than they were last year because if they don't win, they may have the same record they ended up with last year if they if, if they don't turn things around. So they may not be better than they were last year. They've just got off to a quick start. But I think that by the end of the year, you know what the teams are. And the teams that are, again, consistent, that do things well and work on things they don't do well are the teams that end up on, 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 the, on, the, on the big end of the season. And that's why I gave you instances such as the, the Patriots and the Ravens and, and, and the Seahawks, not this year, but normally the Seahawks. These teams are – are good at what they do. And it doesn't matter if you have film on them or not. There's some teams that are surprised. They come up with a different offense. They come up with different players. They got a different scheme. But by the end of the year, that's no more, no longer new. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know if there's such a thing as a slump. There's such a thing as not being prepared or not being ready to play football every week. That's for sure. And I'll tell you, you want to know something, uh, something a lot of people don't know. You're not sure what that day is. Everybody's, you know, before the game, Jack, you're about the same. You know, people get more excited sometimes. Sometimes you're more up. But you're not sure how that game's going to turn out. I've gone into games where I coach where I thought we were ready to play and we looked terrible. And I've gone into, into games that I thought we weren't really looking good and we played great. It's hard. It's really hard to describe. The only thing you can do as a player and coach is be ready to play. And, and as, as Belichick says, just do your job. Same thing Parcells said. It's, hey, very- but it's, hard, it's hard, Mac, week in, week out to get up for games and to be motivated. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what's not discussed? I'm a little tongue-tied now, but you know what's not discussed? The fun factor. Like, especially in the NFL, it's your job. You have to perform. It's your livelihood. There's so many factors. But you kind of wonder... How many players are really looking forward to playing because they just love the game? It's fun to them. Remember when you were younger, Mac, any sport you would play as a kid, you couldn't wait to play. I couldn't wait to play Little League when I was a kid. If a game would be rained out, I would be sad. I just want to go and play. It was so much fun. You wonder how many NFL players, you know, you're getting paid for this, your job. But look at it. This is fun. I can't wait to be on the football field because I like it so much. You kind of wonder, and I get the feeling the players who are having a lot, a lot of fun are going to perform better because they're never going to have a down week, okay? There's never going to be a case, well, it's a trap game. You hear the term trap game. That means the team that's favored isn't going to be up for that game. Because if they're going to be up for that game, they're going to be motivated, they're enthusiastic, then there's no such thing as a trap game to them. Well, you know, Jack, I don't think fun is the right word. I mean, you have fun when you win. That's a lot. You're a lot more happy when you win. You have fun when you go out on the football field before the game. I mean, you're fooling around, listening, to whatever you do, whatever it makes you up. But I don't think fun is a factor during the game as much as it is as execution. And, and, and playing motivated, but within that execution, which is very tough to do. The fun is on practice field, Jack. That's where you have your fun, when you can fool around and joke around. Games is – any professional guy playing a game, they're having fun when they're winning. That's fun. And when they win, it, that's fun. But during a game, you're not really concerned about fun as much as you are about playing very well and everybody playing very well. And that means you got to execute. you got to know what you're doing. you got to think about what you're doing. So it's not like playing Sandlot 
baseball or football where it's just all about fun. It is a job. But to be it really reminds good, me, Mac, but, it reminds me of Joe Namath. When the Jets had that thing hard knocks years ago, he came to visit the Jet camp. And Namath being iconic, they love teasing him. So Mark Sanchez and one of the coaches said, Joe, you like to have fun. And Joe Namath said, I had my fun on the football field. Off the field, I was all business. So they were kind of cracking <laughs> up with Joe Willie Namath. Yeah. So Sunday's games, Jack. You know, a quick look over there. The ones that have playoff implications, that's the only one I kind of want to talk about. Uh, the Rams at the Vikings, right? The Vikings got a win. They always nice say Zim Zimmer's on his hot seat. I mean, how long is he on his hot seat? I mean, come on. Either either you want him to coach. He's 7-7. Seven and seven. The Vikings have played pretty good ball. They're a solid team. The Rams are an exciting team. They should do very well this year. They might make the Super Bowl. I don't think the Vikings will make the Super Bowl. So if he's on the hot seat – for every game, then he's going to be torture. How long can you keep a guy on the hot I know, seat? right? I mean, what do I you mean? mean? Take him off, whatever. You know, the, the Viking ownership might not know. They're seven and seven. They've lost some very tough games early in the year. Yeah. I mean, the Vikings easily, and I mean easily, could be nine and five, and then there wouldn't be any talk of Zimmer going anywhere. And when you talk about these coaches on the hot seat, you got to think about the team going forward. Everyone thinks about what the team has done when they put a coach on the hot seat. And you want to know something, Mac? Some of the time the coach isn't even on the hot seat in the slightest, but the media catches on and then the fans start talking about it. They put out reports of coaches on the hot seat. And you want to know something? Sometimes the ownership who would never think of firing a coach on their own they keep hearing day in, day out about the coach being on the hot seat, and they sometimes act accordingly. But Mike Zimmer, they're seven and seven. If they make the playoffs, you know, get in as a wild card, I mean, he's going to be back. You want to know something? Uh, to me, I would move forward with him. I think he's a good coach. Sure. I mean, I don't see there being that much dissension on the Viking team or any that I know of. And why would you want to get rid of Mike Zimmer? Because the Vikings, you know, have lost some tough games. I mean, they played well. They, they seem to be well coached. Uh, I just don't know where it got started with Mike Zimmer, the, you know, the negativity. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jack, I mean, I've seen I've seen coaches fired the year after they won a Super Bowl, right after they made the playoffs. I mean, you never know what's going, going on behind the client closed doors there. It's images, Mac. It's images. I'm going to give you an example. And I'm, Mike McCarthy's not a favorite of mine. He's never been as a coach, but as a Super Bowl winning coach with the cow uh, with the Packers, uh, should they have won more? Maybe I don't know. But they did win a Super Bowl with him coaching the Packers, which indicates he's a good coach to go that yeah, far. Really now great. he's with the Cowboys. He had a poor first year coaching them. They're playing very well this year. But people have an image now of Mike McCarthy. He's been a little bit of a buffoon in a way, you know, and they and there's a little bit talk, well, the Cowboys will win in spite of Mike right, McCarthy. Right, right, right. And a lot of that's image. So what happens if the Cowboys win a Super Bowl this year? Would Mike McCarthy be given a, a, a five-year extension, a major raise? Because it's all about image. A guy can win a Super Bowl and you could get rid of them a year later because it's all about image. Some guys have a better image than others. It happened that way with the 49ers when George Seifert took over for Bill Walsh. 
even though the 49ers continued to have the same type of success, George Seifert could never be looked at with the same amount of respect as Bill Walsh was. Whatever he did could never match up to Bill Walsh. You know, it's all about image, I think, to a large degree. I think it's a lot about relationships with the management, too, in between you know, the GM, the owners, whatever it is. I think there's things behind the scenes that we don't know about. Well, you're right. Your favorite owner, Daniel Snyder, he never messed with Joe Gibbs because he idolized Joe Gibbs when he was a kid. When Daniel Snyder was a kid, the Washington Redskins were winning the Super Bowls. Uh, Daniel Snyder absolutely loved Joe Gibbs, and he swore by him. So when Gibbs took over as coach of the Redskins, Daniel Snyder behaved himself. He never interfered in anything because he revered Joe Gibbs. And when Joe Gibbs eventually stepped down, he decided he wanted to move on from coaching. Daniel Snyder had long discussions with him. He was practically begging him to stay on. You know, that's how much he admired and respected Joe Gibbs. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. Right. So, we got. We'll look. We'll look a little bit to uh, the, the Patriots and stuff later. But I want to. I want to talk to you a little bit about um, the Giants. Daniel Jones. Of course, we cover the Giants, Jets. Uh, you know the Bills, the, the Eagles, and all the local teams here on the Mac and Jack Sports. We kind of spotlight and focus on. Them. Not that we don't talk about the other games. Daniel Jones is out for the rest of the season. He's still on a rookie contract. When he comes up next year, there's no quarterbacks in the draft that I think could replace him right now when he's healthy. So the quarterbacks out there right now, you don't have a Trevor Lawrence out there right now or, you know, any of these other quarterbacks that there were last year, which I didn't think was a good class to begin with. But I think that they're going to end up keeping him. But do they make a move, Jack? Do they bring – do they bring in – if they bring in somebody like Russell Wilson, he's all done. Jones is gone. Or he's a second string, which I don't know if he would be happy with that. But if the Giants bring in somebody that's equal for a competition with Jones, and I don't know who would be equal even to Daniel Jones right now. So there's a big decision coming up since he's not playing for the rest of the season, as there is going to be with Barkley too. You know, these guys are not on the on extensions yet or getting paid the big, big dollars that they're going to want to come up later. I mean, what, what, what are they going to give Barkley? What are they going to give Jones? I mean, what what do you think? Those are, to me, the two biggest questions coming up in offseason. It's not even about whether Gettleman or Judge is there. It's about their players, the two the two guys that they've taken in the first round, you know, the two substantial guys anyway, the quarterback and the main running back. They may not be around, Jack. Or do the Giants keep them and, and sign them to something uh, relatively modest contract? You know, Daniel Jones is in the same situation that Sam Donald was in last year. I mean, this is his third year. He's not going to play again this year because he's been hurt. you got to look at the three years, the sum total, first of all. Has Daniel Jones been successful as a giant quarterback? The answer is no. And you could point to all the reasons. You could say, well, he's been hurt. You can't say, well, he hasn't had the players around him. Maybe you could say, well, the players around him have been hurt, this and that. But it's been three years. I mean, you run out of excuses. Either it works or it doesn't work. Is he going to be a quarterback for the future? You better be sure about it, okay? Make a firm commitment. Daniel Jones hasn't showed you enough 
to say he should be the guy. You know, and I compare him to Sam Donald. People said, well, Sam Donald's with the Jets for three years. Stick with Sam and just build a team around him, get him his weapons. Well, they did that with the Carolina Panthers with Sam Donald. And guess what? Samuel, Sam Donald is still on probation now with the Panthers. He hasn't shown them enough where they could say with any confidence that he's going to be their quarterback of the future. And, you know, if a guy's been hurt a part of the three years, then he's injury prone. To me, I move on from Daniel Jones unless I can't find a viable alternative for all this Russell Wilson talk. I think the Giants are better off without him because to get Russell Wilson, the price is going to be steep. You're going to have to give them your pick in the first round the next year's draft. That Chicago Bears pick in the first round that you got last year, they're probably going to want next year's number one pick on top of that and maybe something else. It's not worth it. Not for a veteran quarterback who's aging a bit, who has maybe three, four years left, maybe. And as it is, you, your team isn't on the brink of winning anything. Russell Wilson would be an upgrade from Daniel Jones. Don't get me wrong. If the price is somehow right, but the price is going to be steep for Russell Wilson. It's yep. going to be very, you know, steep. And uh, are the Giants better off just sticking with the draft and seeing what they're going to do? It's a, you know, it's a hard go. It's so on one end, we could say move on from Daniel Jones, which I just said basically a moment ago. But then at the other end, you can't move on from him unless you, the, your other option is better. Who are you exactly going to bring in? Who's available? You could talk about drafting a quarterback, but there are no blue chip prospects out there. You're not going at the top of the draft you, where you could get the type of elite college quarterback you know you want going forward. It's a very difficult situation. Yeah, I mean, listen, you don't have to go, you know, in the first round to get a good quarterback. There's other quarterbacks out there that can play play football. Dak Prescott was, I think, a fourth rounder. Um, the, the the guy that just took over at Baltimore was a walk on. Mac, 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 you're missing the point, Mac. Well, well, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. Because, uh, of course, you can draft the guy low and he can work out. How can I miss the point? God, how can I miss the point when you don't even let me finish? What I'm saying, Jack, is that they could draft a quarterback with their first round. One for they could draft a quarterback. It doesn't have to be a whole high-profile quarterback. It could be somebody that they think might be, but be be a good quarterback eventually. So they could use a first round to get that. They could trade for Russell Wilson, but I don't know if Russell Wilson would be successful behind that Giants offensive line. It just stinks. It's stunk for the last four years. They can't play. They can't run. They can't throw. They can't do nothing. And I don't think that has a lot more. I think that has a lot more to do with uh, with Barkley and, and Jones than just them. I don't think, I don't think right now Tom Brady could be a good quarterback behind that offensive line. But that's beside the point. You're right to a point. They've got to make a decision. I don't know who's better out there right now that they can get. So with their first two round draft picks, I guess they got to draft another offensive lineman or another two offensive linemen or something to solidify that offensive line. They got to do something with that. And that to me is first and foremost. And yeah, the point. The, but the point I was trying to make, I, I I agree with you 
as far as maybe drafting another quarterback. But I wouldn't waste it on a first-round pick. You get the best play available. So whoever they drafted, let's say they draft a quarterback in the third or fourth round, hypothetically. You can't count on that quarterback coming in and being the, you know, the future of your team or the face of your team at quarterback. You're hoping he could develop, you can get lucky, but you can't count on it the way you would drafting someone high in the first round. Look, when the Browns drafted Baker Mayfield, they did it because he was counted on to be their franchise quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. Jacksonville immediately knew this is our franchise quarterback. We're counting on him. You never know how it's going to work out. For sure. At least you can give the guy the starting job and see what happens. But you can't do that with a third or fourth round pick. You can't give him a starting job. You hope you can get lucky somehow. Oh, yeah, I, I agree with that. Those guys I, and- I, I agree with that. I'm not saying that you're going to you're drafting the third round to be your starting quarterback. I'm saying for some competition if you're going to keep Daniel Jones. And he, that he definitely needs. He needs Look some at Mike Lennon. He's been awful for the Giants mm-hmm. filling in for Daniel mm-hmm. Jones. Because I mean, he was picked up, he was picked up as a second oh. string quarterback. You can't, I mean, you you have to get somebody in there that's going to compete with Daniel Jones for the first string quarterback slot. I'm not saying I'm not saying that Daniel Jones loses or wins. I'm saying you need somebody in there to compete with him. Because other than that, Jack, you're going to be stuck with Daniel Jones for another four years or until the next draft. And you I'm know who would be perfect, Mac, and would validate what you said in the past. If I don't know what his contract is, but let's say a guy like Minshew and the Eagles becomes a free agent. He's the perfect guy I would bring in, and I would allow him to compete with Daniel Jones, unlike Jalen Hurts, because Jalen Hurts is developing, getting better. He should be a quarterback of the future, unless something else comes along, like a Deshaun Watson, for argument's sake. Okay? But, uh, you know, Daniel Jones hasn't earned the right anymore but to be considered his position. I agree with so that. I would readily bring someone in to compete, but it has to be on a similar level. And then there's the X factor, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, if his legal situation clears up, if it clears up, something's got to happen with it by I, next I, I, year. Isn't everybody, isn't everybody tired of talking about Deshaun Watson? We haven't I mean, talked about it for a while. Well, because there's no reason, Jack. The man has 22 legal... And he is not going to be available for a couple years, Jack. Let's stop talking about Deshaun Watson. If he becomes available, if the situation clears up, he's the one quarterback, Mac. Unlike Russell Wilson, I would give up my draft capital for, and I would give up a ton of, you know, things for I would give up my two number one picks this year, maybe a number one pick next year, whatever it took to get to Sean Watson, because he's a young quarterback, one of the best in the league, and he's a difference maker going forward, a true franchise quarterback. He's the one exception I would make. I wouldn't do it for a veteran like Russell Wilson, who's a little long in the tooth, who still might have something left in the tank that would be better served with a veteran team that's on the brink. He's more short-term solution, Russell Wilson. 
you know, but Deshaun Watson would be a true franchise long-term well, You would never be the GM of my team, Jeff, because if I had a choice between Russell Wilson and Deshaun uh, Watson, even without without those legal issues, it would be Russell Wilson right away because Deshaun Watson has problems personally, Jack. That's the only reason why he's in so much I trouble. said if his situation clears, I'm talking about personally. I don't care if it clears up or not. He's not going to change. He's got some personal problems off field. There's a certain person that, that gets charged and gets put in these positions. I'm not talking about just one falsely accused. He hasn't been charged with any criminal activity right, well good jack well you wouldn't Let's be keep that in mind i mean he hasn't you been not charged be, with you would not be my gm trust me because i take russell wilson any day over deshaun watson folks we're gonna be right back after these messages keith angle will be on the other side uh talking about nicks pats and a little college football so we'll be right back after these messages Today? No? Okay. We'll do this one then. You worked too hard, you ate too much, the cheesecake made you greedy. But your aching head and stomach here, this message from Old Speedy. Alka-Seltzer, plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Those speedy bubbles relieve your upset stomach and headache fast. For acid indigestion alone, Alka-Seltzer gold. Oh, what a relief it is. What a relief. Think of shortness of breath, coughing, or inhalers. Lots of things can trigger asthma, but the fact is that asthma doesn't just attack, it can kill. But with proper medical management, asthma is controllable. If you experience shortness of breath, wheezing, tightness in your chest, or persistent nighttime coughing, you may have asthma. See your doctor and get the facts. You'll breathe easier. For more information, call 211 InfoLine. A message from the Connecticut Department of Public Health, keeping Connecticut healthy. I heard you want to be a free to bandido like me. You do? Then you must sing the bandido song. Let's sing together. You just follow the bouncing Fritos corn chips bag. Ay, 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 ay. I am the Frito Bandido baby. I like Fritos corn chips. I love them, I do. I want Fritos corn chips. I'll get them from you. Ay, 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 ay. Oh, I am the Frito Bandito. Give me Fritos corn chips and I'll be your friend. The Frito Bandito, you must not offend. Now, boys and girls, you are Frito Bandidos too. You sing the Frito Bandito song, and you look for crunchy Fritos corn chips. That's nice. Munch, munch, munchy, bunchy Fritos corn chips. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting the stew and telling me what you think? Mm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, 
visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. Joe's presents Chester Cheetah. I'm Chester Cheetah. I'm just a cool dude in a loose mood. Until I see those Cheetos. Then my cool turns to drool. My style and ease surrender to my urge for the snack. Let those crunch. It's not easy seeing cheesy. Cheetos cheese flavored snack. Cheese that goes crunch. If you talk and they will hear you every single time. Now we're getting killed. Yeah. Well, Kyle's not here. How come? Kicked off the team. Didn't Tim tell you? Kyle and some other kids got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Come on, it's a first offense, right? That we know of. But why should that matter? He knew not to drink. I've made it clear to Matt that's what we expect from him. What have you said to Tim? Um, nothing really. You know, a lot of kids try it at this age, so... Yeah, well, a lot of kids don't try it, too. I'm not saying that Matt's going to be this perfect kid, but if I don't tell him what we expect and why he shouldn't drink, how's he going to know? You think kids that age really listen? <laughs> they never admit it, Bill, but they hear more than you think. Talk. They hear you. For more information about talking with kids about underage drinking, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show as we come live to you on this Christmas Eve day, Jack. And, you know, there's nothing like having Christmas with a little bit of this. I don't need a lot of presents to make my Christmas bright. I just need my baby's arms wound around me tight. Oh, Santa, hear my plea. Santa, bring my baby back to me. That's right. Santa, bring my baby back to me. I don't know where she went. Was that Elvis, Matt? Yes, it was Elvis. It was Ooh, Elvis. Let me tell you, no one compares to these icons like Elvis or Frank Sinatra. You know, when I was in Vegas, I don't know whether I mentioned I went to a special Rat Pack show, you know, take off entertainers who imitated and were supposed to look like Sinatra, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., singing their old songs, acting the way they did at the nightclub back in the day. It took you back a long ways. Yeah, that's that's enjoyable. I mean, I've seen some Elvis impersonators on TV, but they're sure not good as he was. And it's great to... uh, I'll listen to him sing a well, Let me Christmas tell you, song. Jerry Glanville, who had coached uh, the Houston Oilers, you know, at the time, he always yeah, used to leave tickets yeah. to the game for Elvis to pick up. Yeah, he was quite a character. I mean, he it was a lot about him. A lot of coaches did not like Jerry Glanville at all, including Chuck Noll. Chuck Noll hated him. 
he he was uh he was quite into himself dude. he had his own little show and and he was you know wearing a leather jacket and and his boots and you know he was bigger than life so uh you know sam weiss ran up to score on him deliberately at yeah. the end of the game and even did an onside kick late yeah. in the game when the team was far ahead and the game was basically over. Yeah, and, uh, nobody yeah. like no, not the coaches. A lot of coaches didn't respect him at all. But he did okay as a coach. His record wasn't the greatest, but it wasn't. Then the he greatest. went to the Falcons after. Yeah, he yes. coached at Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. He, he was a character. Yes, he was. Him and Bum Phillips was a coach. Now Bum Phillips had the big cowboy hat for the Houston Oilers and that that. Uh, that uh, saying he that was popular that he said you know keep knocking on the door this year we're gonna kick it down that's when he had Earl Campbell and Dan Pastorini yeah. and and all those guys yeah real good competitive team until they moved over now, some of these great coaches uh, they pass it on to their sons I mean you see Bill Belichick doing it in New England with Steve Belichick and Bum Phillips had a son Wade Phillips who went right. on to be a coach. Buddy Ryan, you know, his son, Rex Ryan, and uh, and plus, you know, his other son as well. Yeah, the other Ryan. Yeah. Boy. yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he didn't do as well as Rex did, that's for sure. So until Keith gets here, I want to talk about a couple more games as we get as we go down different avenues when we start talking about something else. The Ravens and the Bengals, Jack. The Bengals beat the heck out of the, uh, uh, the Ravens last time they played. It doesn't look like Lamar Jackson is going to play again. The kid that replaced them, against the Packers was out of sight. He was he was that uh, uh, walk-on uh, that they ended up picking up. A lot of people thought the Jets might draft him. There were some people that thought the, drafts, the Jets might draft that kid instead of who they ended up with, Zach Wilson. And he played he, – he balled last week, Jack. I mean, he was throwing the ball all over the place. Um, I didn't like the last play they called for that two-minute um, – the two-point conversion in the last play of the game, which they ended up costing them the game. I didn't like the call either, but that's beside the point. But the kid played great. I mean, he was throwing the ball all over the field. So a different Ravens quarterback probably playing the Bengals in Cincinnati. Big game for the for the Ravens. If the Ravens lose this one to the Bengals, not only the Bengals in first, but they got the tiebreaker because they swept them. So what, do you, what are your thoughts on that game, Jack? Yeah, I'm going to say this. Uh, when you look at the uh, – Baltimore Raven team, you know, their last game there against the Packers, there was a lot of talk whether they should have gone for the two-point conversion at the end. And I mean, I supported it. People forget that there are 42 seconds left. And if you didn't support it and you feel they should have just kicked, you know, gone for the extra point, I mean, consider this. Now you're giving the Packers not only a chance of winning in overtime, but the Packers had 42 seconds left in regulation. So the game's not over. Maybe if you do kick the extra point, the Packers are less conservative with 42 seconds left on the clock because they know they're guaranteed of overtime at the very least. But if you make the two-point conversion and the Packers are down one point. Now they really got to move the ball up the field. And the Packers had timeouts left as well. So I'm not sure whether the game would have necessarily been a lock for the Ravens to win had they made the two-point conversion. But with that said, you know, I mean, it was a bang-bang play. They said, well, give your quarterback more of the field, give him more of an option to roll out. You sure. know, it's Monday morning quarterbacking on that. I mean, 
Well, uh, I think I think I think it's a little more than that. See, to me, again, Jack, the old adage is, is that you put your team in the best position to win. And when you roll out to one side of the field, you're taking away the other side of the field, which makes a defense flow to that side of the field you're rolling to. Um, I, I just didn't like to play. And I didn't like the call. I would rather depend on my defense to stop them in that 42 seconds and over time maybe get the ball. If I got the ball, then, you know, then maybe uh, maybe I could, maybe we could have won the game there and scored a touchdown. Well, Kyla Hunt played, played very, very well yeah, quarterbacking the he Ravens. Did. But let me just go back to a comment you made before. No, he wasn't high on anyone's list in the draft last no. year. The Jets weren't thinking of taking him ahead of Zach Wilson. I've, I heard I heard I heard rumbles of that, Jack. Not from the Jets uh uh the their uh administration, but I heard it from from other people that study football that he might not have been a bad pickup. But with that being well, maybe later on in the draft, similar to something like the Washington Redskins did, you know, the year they drafted RG3 he was the second overall pick in the draft, the same way Zach Wilson was with the Jets last year. That year, the Redskins took Kirk Cousins in the fourth round because he was there. He was quality. So maybe the Jets would have did that with Huntley, you know. But as it turned out, he went in the third round to the Ravens. And now because he played very well, I mean, we're going to hear the nonsense. Well, is there going to be a quarterback competition, him and Lamar Jackson? Unless Lamar Jackson is really hurt. Come on, he was a league MVP. And early in the season, he was the best quarterback in the league over a period of a few weeks. So come on, I don't want to hear like all this nonsense about a quarterback controversy with the Ravens. But the Ravens have to beat the Bengals. This is it, the division's on the line. And it comes down, you know, the game's in Cincinnati, but I'm not, I don't know how much of a home field advantage that is at Cincinnati. Because uh, Baltimore isn't exactly a warm weather place, you know, either. Uh, but, you know, with that said, it comes down to who you think's a better team, Baltimore, Cincinnati. Well, we'll find out uh, in that game, Jack. Backstage right now, we got Keith Angle. Waiting to come on. Keith Angle, of course, the host of TGI Sports Talk. It's just finishing up with his show over there. Comes in every Friday. We talk a little bit about the Knicks, college, and the Patriots. We won't give you the preview, but we'll talk about a couple stories with the Patriots. So let's bring on Keith Angle. How are you doing today? Guys, I wanted to uh, let you know that uh, Santa's told me what Jack's getting for Christmas. It's going to be a <laughs> yes, jet yes. victory or what? It's going to be a jet flowered uh, shirt. Jet, jet, wear yes, yeah, a jet flowered shirt. Uh, jet what is, victory this week against Jacksonville. What a game! The Jets what is this? What is this with what is this with the with the stuff? animals and, and figures jack with his teddy bear you with santa is this a new thing i mean is oh, that oh, a- christmas time i brought some of my guys on last year i had my i had <laughs> this will sound bad i had my patriots nutcracker on last year yes, well that well they were they were cracking a lot of nuts last year if nothing else <laughs> um, so uh of course with keith coming over we he brings carlos with him every friday so we're glad to see carlos in here Already sounding off about Lamar Jackson and that and, and the Hunley situation. Uh, Keith, I want to get to you a little bit about the Knicks. Of course, we, we've discussed them at nausea, and it seems like it's going to be nausea all year. Um, 
the biggest thing I think me and Jack were talking, right? The Knicks, the Knicks last year were a defensive team, and this played towards Randall's strength, right? This made him the you know the scorer he was, the rebounder he was. Um, you know, this year they've they've tried to morph into an offensive team, and it really hasn't worked at all, uh, despite the 44 points from Walker, which really doesn't mean anything if you don't win the game. I mean, we, yeah. you know, that, that don't mean nothing. But the morphing into the offensive has kind of made them worse instead of better. And I thought last year in the beginning of the year, as I think a lot of people did, if they had a couple scores, now you're talking about a defensive team with some scoring threats, which is just backfired. We have a team that maybe have some scoring threats, but we don't have a defensive team anymore. Um, any thoughts or anything that uh, there's no way they're making the playoffs this year, Keith, if they do, they're out of right away again. I so, mean, not, not without some drastic changes and, you know, look at Walker's back playing some better basketball, but, and he's going to have to, because Rose is now out for eight weeks, which really hurts the Knicks. You know, they're, they're still up and down. They're 14 and 18. And now they're winning one, losing one. You're right. The defensive end of the back, the, the the floor is is worse. And you know, one of those one of the worst transgressors here is a guy that was here last year. Randall's playing no defense. And that's got you look at he's gonna start playing less and less because I love the guy. I know I defended him all last year and and Jack didn't feel like he was a, a guy to build around. And I thought he was, and maybe I'm wrong because Randall's regressed a little bit. A little the numbers numbers are down because of other guys taking points away. That's that's fine. But his overall game has regressed, especially on a defensive end of the floor. And the team in general, you said they've lost the identity that they had last year. And they need this is the opportunity with Rose out um, and some other issues that are going on. We need to see Sims play more. We need to see Grimes play more. And uh, last night was not a good, you know, I defend Thibodeau uh, to the ends of the earth, and I still will. These, this should not cost him his job, which Carlos will say here in a second. Um, but, you know, you can't get, you know, whatever. He, he His bench was, he went eight deep last night, and it, now he's got guys playing way too many minutes. I mean, Kemba Walker played 43 minutes last night. Had a great game. But well, well, you know, he's not gonna last I, one think, I, think Rand, I think Randall's flourished last year because of the style uh, of basketball. They play. I agree. Yeah, I agree. But, but so if you're going to have guys taking long shots, that's not good for rebounding. Right. I mean, if the, if the ball's coming hard off the, 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 the basket and off the backboard, it's a little bit harder to, to, to put it back up and in. Uh, yeah. That's that's mainly inside game, and the Knicks have no inside game at all except Randall, who still is scoring over twenty points a game and grabbing close to ten rebounds. He's not dominating like he did last year, but the style is completely different. So yeah, how but you, his how overall you, game is, I say, has regressed a bit because again, it's not just what you do on the offensive end; it's what you do on a defensive end. And Mac, you may be right, very well right that this regression is because of the style of basketball that they're playing is not what they played last year. And I don't know that that's the game that Thibodeau wants to play, but it might be with the cards he's got dealt right now, that's what he's got to do. Yeah. Um, so this team, you could see a totally different look to this roster uh, come the trade deadline if things don't turn around here. I think the problem – The other guys played well too in spurts. I, I think the problem in large part is the other teams have gotten better. Well, there's if you that. Just look at the other rosters. They've passed the Knicks, and even if the Knicks are what they were last year, other teams have passed them. I mean, 
you look at the other teams in the East. I mean, Chicago is way better than they were last year. Miami's going to be way better than they were last year, and on and on. Well, yeah, I agree. And there's also time for those. We have to find out whether those teams are for real. I mean, we've played, what, 30 games. Um, you, you start to see trends, obviously. But teams have been known to get out the hot starts and, and regress. So there, there's no reason that the, these teams – to think that some of these teams won't come back to the pack. I mean, the Knicks will battle for that a playoff spot, but now my prediction of, you know, fourth in the East is certainly probably out the window unless they really, really turn around here in the new year. I miss They're that. They're not going to get eighth in the East. They'll be lucky if they get 10th in the East. They'll be lucky yeah. to get the play in. They'll be lucky yeah, to get the play in. Right now they would be. I don't disagree. And, and things have got to totally change. Again, it's all about identity, right? The, the big thing we talked about all last year was the way Thibodeau came in and changed the culture and the identity of this team. And now it's changed overnight into something I don't even recognize from last year at all. Yeah, I, Let I, me I, ask about Obi Toppin. I'm an Obi Toppin fan, but isn't it, time either play him a lot of minutes or don't enough with development he's on a second year he's no longer a rookie either he's got it or he doesn't either he's going to be a part of the new york nick future or he isn't and i'm get, but i'm getting starting to get the feeling that maybe the knicks are going to be showcasing a lot of guys yeah. wanting them to look good build up their stats so they can make some type of a blockbuster deal somewhere it's possible they may and Toppin may be one of those guys. Yes, and the problem I love I like Toppin's game, but you know if he doesn't uh, make it some attempt on defense, they cannot give him you know major minutes because he's going to be such a liability out there. But again, Randall's out there being a liability as well. I mean, you look at the plus minuses, which they 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 love to play now, uh, like in hockey, and Randall's is one of the worst on the team. Um, as far as, you know, the point differential while he's out there. So, and that's the problem with Toppin. You can't play those two guys together. That's for sure. Um, so I'm not sure what the answer is right now. I, I think heck, heck, Thibodeau ain't sure what the answer is right now. Don't yeah, I know. That's, and that's, and that's know, a bigger that's, problem than me. Yeah, that's the bigger problem than you not knowing. That's for sure. Because yeah. he's coaching things. So let's look at a little bit about college. I mean, we have uh, the college Bowl games have been playing. The famous Gasparilla Bowl played uh, yesterday. Hey, don't US. forget the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. I was all over yeah. the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl last week. That's, it was that's true. One. That's true. And, uh, you know, you had uh, uh, UFC. Well, normally has a good team. Beats uh, Florida 29-17. Tomorrow you have the traditional Camellia Bowl. Georgia <laughs> State versus Ball State. Careful how you oh. say that. Nah, geez, I don't even know if I said it right. Now. Camellia, it sounds like right. But the next bowl game with top 20 uh, ranked teams in it is going to be uh, the uh, Alamo Bowl with Oregon versus Oklahoma. More interesting because the coach left to see what, how Oklahoma plays. Oregon, well, yeah, or, well, Oregon was supposed to be, you know, the number, you know, up in the top 10 all year. They had that great of a team, but it found out they didn't. Um, should be an interesting game, though, Keith. That should be a wild yeah. one. Both both uh, programs lost their coaches this year, so it's not just Oklahoma, right? Oregon lost their coach too. Crystal Ball he went back to Miami, his his alma mater. I mean, the interesting thing for me is Bob Stoops going to be on the sideline coaching Oklahoma in this game. I think that's going to be the an interesting point for me. Oregon a huge disappointment, um, and as as the Pac-12 pretty much year after year, and and maybe Lincoln Riley getting out there will change that. Um, but until things improve out there, the Pac-12 has got no chance at, at a playoff 
uh, spot unless uh, there's a, an expansion of it soon. I like this. Uh, I think this is one of the fun matchups. Uh, and w- as we get past Christmas, we'll start to finally get to some some games that uh, are going to be interesting to watch. Um, yeah, I definitely like to. I would like to see this Oklahoma team. I'm going to root for it because I like Bob Stoops. I'm a big Bob Stoops fan. I do not understand why he's not not gotten a job somewhere. I know he doesn't want one. If he wanted one, he'd have a job in a heartbeat. Um, but I think it'll be interesting to see him on the sidelines for this game, and I'll be rooting for him. Yeah, I mean the the uh, uh, the next game before we get to uh, 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 the the big playoff games, you also have. Um, the Peach Bowl, which is which is a pretty relevant bowl, it's been around for a long time. You got Pitt number thirteen against Michigan State number eleven. The Pitt quarterback picked up a lot of uh, uh, notoriety this year, right? He was in a Heisman running. Uh, looks like a decent quarterback. I don't know if he's going to make it in the NFL or not, but he looked like a good quarterback. I think that game's going to be pretty interesting too, Keith. Well, he's opted out of that game, so he's not playing. Oh, which well, is, there you go. That's great. Which is go. one of the big one of the big problems. Is and you got two two teams that are playing two games that have got a problem Texas A and M and Hawaii because of opt outs because of COVID because of um, transfers you're losing teams that are already got bowl games this is part of the problem with college football you can't have these things happening coaches leaving players leaving um, in the, before the season's even done now so now you're seeing teams Texas A and M and Wake Forest would have been a nice matchup in a bowl game. Now Wake Forest is going to play Rutgers, who is five and seven, I think, during the year. I mean, come on. I mean, there's something's got to put, be put into place that these guys can't make these types of of, of decisions until the season is over. I agree. You know, I agree. it's bad enough with coaches. Now players can just they go in the transfer portal, they're done. They opt out to go because they want to protect themselves. Look at if I'm an a guy who's trying to improve my stock in the NFL draft, I'm playing in these games. But once they opt out, they're out of that. They're out of the Senior Bowl, where a lot of the scouts are, and the NFL coaching uh, staffs are running running the camps. And this is one of the major problems with college football right now is is the opt outs. I mean, that was going to be a really good game, Mac Pittsburgh against Michigan State would have been a tremendous game. Oh, oh Kenneth Walker the third is also opted out of that game. So the best two players in the in that game aren't even playing. Shouldn't a bowl game always be a reward? And Ruck, Rutgers going five and seven are being rewarded with a bowl game. I know it's circumstances, but yeah. something strikes me as being off. It should be something that's earned a berth in any bowl game. Yeah, it's something I've been railing on for weeks now. I mean, there, we've watched for the last week uh, a bunch of six and six teams playing each other. And to me, uh, if I offend somebody, I offend somebody. It's part of the uh, the participation trophy culture in this country, and it's ex- an ex- extension of that. Here's your thanks for coming. Here's a bowl game. Thanks for participating this year. You know, and and teams like to get it, and there's a there's a benefit because they keep you can keep practicing, um, which is important uh, building in the next year. But just let teams practice for an extra four weeks. Right, cut the bowl games in half. You don't need forty-two bowl games and six and seven. The other Hawaii six and seven. They were in a bowl game before they had to opt out. I mean, good grief. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I don't know where we're heading. We're we're I heading. Mean, I, I could tolerate it with a, a university like Clemson, who's had a powerhouse program, and then they have a little bit of a downtime, and you give them some type of bowl game. 
But the universities that show mediocrity year after year, that's what I have a hard time with. I'll, I'll tell you what, with their, they want to expand this bowl. Uh, I'm sorry, the playoff, uh, whether it's eight, eight teams or 12 teams or 16 teams, you can't have this type of uh, uh, movement of coaches and players there. Because if you get to 12 teams or more, 16 maybe at some point, <laughs> you're going to have teams that are going to be playing without their start. Pittsburgh would have been in a playoff this year. Yeah, well, they I imagine if they were. I, I imagine. I imagine if they were in a playoff, I think it would change the players' minds. I'm not so sure anymore. I used to think the same thing, Matt. But you know something I, I get, and as you said, the rules would have to change there. Uh, let's get into the Pats before you go. Um, sure. and I don't want. I don't want to get in a preview of what's going to happen next week. We all know they're playing Buffalo, big game. I want to talk to you a little bit about Mac Jones and the position the Patriots are in right now. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean. For Mac Jones to be successful, we know the team has to be very good. They probably have to either be even or off to a, a start where they're ahead of the other team. Because once it hits the playoffs, Keith, and like what happened with the Colts, if another team jumps out fast in front of them, stays ahead, you're going to have to rely on Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. So do you think that he's the type of quarterback coming into the playoffs that's going to be able to bring the team back or get them close enough where they tie. I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, you've been watching him more than I have all year. Yeah. I know he's organized. I know he's a good kid. I know he's potentially going to be a great quarterback, potentially, because we really don't know yet. But uh, we like to compare him to Tom Brady. Well, he's not Tom Brady, right? He's Mac Jones. You know, how Mac Jones, how Tom Brady was brought along. Right. By what you've seen, I mean, you saw the Colts game. He got a little ruffled, a little ruffled at the end there, gave up a, a big interception. What do you think is going to happen in the playoffs? Because I think the Patriots are going in. Well, again, I, I think until we see him in that situation, first time we're not going to know how he reacts. But I think the Indianapolis game was uh, an indicator that Mac Jones can bring a team back. I mean, his inter- his bad plays and bad choices were early in that game, first half in, into the third quarter. But what I like about Mac Jones, one of the things I love about him is he, he rebounds from adversity very well, very quickly. He puts bad plays behind him. And again, I I bring up Brady. When I do it, it's in comparison to where they were in their careers. Not Tom Brady today, right? Um, they brought him along similar to they did to Brady, and Tom Brady became Tom Brady in like in the Carolina Super Bowl in his third year. That's when he became Tom Brady, and we're going to see a moment like that, and we're going to find out where Mac Jones stands. It may not be this year; it might be next year or the year after. But I think he's got that type of uh, uh, moxie to be able to get up off the mat like championship quarterbacks do and be able to lead the team to a comeback victory in a fourth quarter. We almost saw it against the Colts and they would have had a shot, but you know, they didn't because of the, we couldn't hold them on uh, third down then. And uh, uh, running backs names escaping me now for really? uh, Colts. Taylor runs for a 67 yard touchdown. Couldn't stop him on third. In that game. But so I think he's that would to me that showed me that there is a potential that he can be that type of guy uh, that can lead you from behind um, after having a horrendous first half. And that's always been a been a trademark of these great Patriot teams and Belichick teams is that they can get behind. They can make adjustments and they get themselves back in the games. First half, first three quarters, I didn't give them any chance to get back in this game. They were in position to be able to 
tie the game near the end and it just didn't happen, but they were there. And that gave me some hope uh, to answer your question more succinctly that Mac Jones can do this when the time comes in the playoffs. We got, we got to see it. We can talk about it until we're blue in the face, but well, he hasn't let them on a game winning drive yet. In reality, where they've been down, where he's taken them the length of the field, the way yeah. Brady did, but he's a rookie and uh, it's going to be a different game Sunday because of weather conditions. I mean, it's not only going to be three passes, but I still get the feeling Belichick is going to play it close to the best. Yeah, I know Mac does want to get to a lot of the preview. We'll do that probably Sunday, but I think we'll see a much different game uh, come Sunday than we did the last time. Well, we'll have a weather report Sunday too. In the yeah, it'll be so, interesting. Well, yes, it'll be a lot of fun. So I, I look at well, if, well if you, it, another. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay, another another thing I want to get through about the Patriots is their run defense. Um, the run defense gives up a lot of yards. Yep. And, I mean, they bend, but they don't break. But if they don't tighten that up, the other team's going to control the clock again, which, again, is going to put, you know, the pressure on the offense to come to, to come back and with not a lot of time left. It all, you know, it all feeds into each other. Yep. I mean, you've been watching the Patriots' defense. They do make plays. They do bend, but they don't break. But they haven't gone up against a team like the Colts, I mean, even Tennessee to a point. I don't think I don't. I'm sure they had Derrick Henry with them or not when they played. They did not, but they gave up 270 yards rushing that day. So you get into the playoffs, you come up against the Colts again, say, or you come up to uh, against Tennessee, and maybe Derrick Henry is playing again. Then, I mean, this is this is something that Belichick is going to have to work on because if he doesn't, uh, the, the clock management is going to be out the window for him. He's going to have. They're going to have yeah. to find a way. So, what has been the biggest thing? Has it been the, the line, the, the linebackers? What has been giving up all them yards? How come they're how come they're running all over the Patriots? Well, the defensive front, uh, while they've done well against the pass and 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 uh, pressured quarterbacks, have has been kind of a sieve uh, when it comes to the running game. And I think it comes the <laughs> you've got you've got to be able to. Um, control the line of scrimmage to control the running game. And the Patriots have not been able to do that. And uh, I mean, you saw it in that, that 67 yard run that clinched the game on uh, last Saturday night. uh, He never got touched. He made one move through that line and never got touched Went 67 yards. That can't happen on that third and short. And you're trying to win the game. You got to make some contact and the Patriots aren't winning the battle on the line of scrimmage. And that's why they're, you know, you're seeing guys. I mean, in, into the secondary too way too often. And again, these are great players. Taylor's a great player. He's going to get his yards, right? But if he runs for a hundred yards and not 167, because you give up that big burst at the end, now you've got a chance to win the game. And you're right, Mac. They 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 they're letting the, the defense or I'm sorry, the offenses control the ball way too long. Um and, and the Patriots want to do the same thing. That's the problem. Right. Yeah, and I- it, you know, you know, when you you guys had Wolfolk up there, you know, you had uh, I'm trying to remember the defensive end you had there for a long time, but you had Rabel there. I mean, these guys were Richard, just Richard Seymour. Richard thank Seymour you. was yeah. thank you, thank you, Jack. Yeah. I mean, these guys weren't just good against the pass; they were great against the run too. Uh, you know, the middle linebackers. You know, when you had uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the second guy. Uh, we know uh, uh, Bruski was there, but there was a second guy in there. Vince, well, well, Vince uh, Wolfolk. No, no, they've no. Had, the other, uh, other uh, middle Ninkovich, They've had Ninkovich. They've had uh, Gerard Mayo. They've had a lot of yeah. guys. Years, yeah, Ninkovich yeah. was the other one I was trying to think of. I know, I know Mayo. Yeah. But these guys were good against the run, too. 
I mean, they weren't just they were quick and they were they were strong to the ball. And that was what's made the Patriots defense so good. And this year they really don't have that. And that's the, the only other concern I got besides Mac Jones, which, again, you know, Mac Jones may have a great game. I've seen that happen, too. I don't know if he'll be consistently great in the playoffs, but I've seen I've seen young quarterbacks go in there and have a great game. But Patrick Mahomes comes to mind. Um, but yeah. uh, you know these, the defense is the biggest thing as you saw in the Super Bowl at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay won that game against Kansas City with their defense. Yeah. So I mean, this is another thing that the Patriots are going to have to show up for playoff time, Keith. Yeah, and it's not always. And again, this has kind of been a trademark of these teams, uh, even through their 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 last Super Bowl runs, right? The the second part of this dynasty, or how, whatever you want to call it. I mean, year after year, they were in the middle or worse in the league in defense of yards allowed, but at the top, in the top five, usually in points allowed. So they they've had this bend but don't break mentality for a long, long time. So. It comes down to being able to make the plays at at the important points of the game, right? You can give up 400 yards offense like they did against uh, the Titans. They only gave up 13 points. So when it came down crunch time, they were playing really good defense and not giving up touchdowns. But, you know, against the the, the, the Colts, they got ahead early, as uh, I think Jack pointed out, or maybe you did, I don't remember. Um, they they need at this point in Mac Jones' career, they need to play from in front and not from behind, and they cannot get out uh, this way in games uh, and get behind 14, 17, nothing. That's yeah. not the way they're going to win in the playoffs. They've got to control. They've got to play the game they want to play. Well, let me tell you. Their comfort well, zone. Well, let's face it. Right now, Mac Jones is a game manager. He could become more than that in time. But if we're just speaking at the moment, he's a game manager at this point in his career. He's not a difference maker right now, but maybe he will be a difference maker as we go forward. Patriots won two two Super Bowls with a game manager named Tom Brady. But he uh, turned into a game changer, though. He did. He did. But we're talking about the fact that he won before he became that. Yeah. Very true. Well, well, Keith, let me tell you. At least you guys are in the playoffs. There's no doubt in my mind you're not going to be in the playoffs whether you finish first or second. Uh, and that's a step up from last year for sure. And uh, it looks like you guys got a good, solid team. And I expect you guys to do some good things this year. That's for sure. So Imagine we'll where we'd be if we didn't cut Cam Newton. We'd probably be 14 and – I don't know, 14 and all right now. Uh, that's what <laughs> that's true. That could have that happened. Where's uh, Carlos? Anyway, so anyway, Keith, we'll let you go. We'll go over more on the preview Sunday as yep. we just look at the Bills and the Pats. Have a great day, and thanks for coming on, Keith. You guys have a great Christmas. Yeah, you too. Merry Christmas to you too. So there you go, folks. Keith Angle from TGI Sports. Up next after the break here, we, of course, got everybody's favorite Philly sports reporter slash fanatic slash everything. As far as Philly sports go, it's all embodied in the Philly sports guy. So we'll be right back after these messages, folks, and we'll have the Philly sports guy on live with us. Stay tuned. Oh, my God. 
Sometimes believes in getting food to your kids before they get to each other. Such good food, too. McDonald's famous French fries, triple thick creamy shakes, lean beefy cheeseburgers and hamburgers, icy cold soft drinks. And here's a plus, spill-proof lids on all beverages. Another plus, napkins that are big as a bib. Quality, cleanliness, extra care service. That's McDonald's, a total value that's unmatched anywhere. We all make choices. When it comes to alcohol, kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye, Dad. Bye-bye. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, Ann, have a seat for a second. Remind me about that party again. And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. They want guidance and honest answers to their questions. And it makes a difference when the message is consistent and part of everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Radio Air Check and Classic TV Channel. more than one fermentation. Most brewers just ferment their beer once, but Schaefer is fermented twice, once to make it beer and twice to make it Schaefer, the one beer with flavor so fine it keeps shining through glass after frosty glass. More than one fermentation is one reason, but of course there's more than one reason behind the one beer to have when you're having more than one. see right now without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. Let me tell you about a team I hate, all right? I know the Dallas Cowboy fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate this Oh, team. I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball, they try very hard to ruin it. I'm not Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, Brooklyn. Hey, isn't he? Jack, one of my favorite Christmas songs of all time, especially that point where I don't know if there'll be snow, but have a cup of cheer. The guy is encouraging us to drink heavily at Christmas. I think that's what the message is. Well, I'm going to tell you, Mac, uh, Christmas time means NBC is going to replay It's a Wonderful Life with J Jimmy Stewart. 
great. Show. I mean, what a classic movie, one of the great movies of all time. I agree with that. Backstage right now, the Philly sports guy, Jamie Pags. Let's bring him in. How you doing, Pags? Good morning, guys. You know, and, and as I'm listening to that song, I'm thinking of Frosty the Snowman, and I'm looking at I'm looking at Jack and saying, "Wow, what a resemblance to the snowman." <laughs> yeah, when they're when they're doing, or, or maybe it's uh, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, and, and Burl Ives is dressed as the snowman, and he yeah. kind of looks like that. Right. But I want to remind you one thing. The Philadelphia fans booed Santa Claus once. Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, we threw snowballs at Santa. And oh, worse, I, I, you know what? I was before my time. You know, everybody likes to say that I was the one that threw him. And yeah. it was he was a bad Santa. You know, it's like everybody loves to tell that story that, hey, Philadelphia threw snowballs and batteries at Santa Claus. Yeah. The Santa Claus that was supposed to be there was, you know, didn't make it to the field. And they pulled somebody out of the stands. And this guy was like, you know, 28 years old, drunk as a snake, didn't have a beard. And, you know, had just like this this really bad Santa outfit. Yeah. And, of course, as bad as the season that the Eagles were having that year, uh, you know, they were throwing snowballs at everybody. And Santa just happened to be part of that whole mix. Yeah, he just they just they just showed the love to Santa like they did everybody else. That's all it was that year. Exactly. Exactly. So, so, so what is your favorite Christmas song, Pags? I mean, I don't really have a favorite, but Holly Jolly Christmas is up in there. And and then and then I want to get your favorite Christmas movie. Jack said a wonderful life. That's a great movie. I you know, I I have to go with the Christmas story. I mean, I, I've you know, when I was out at the draft this last year, I actually went, I, I, I'm such a fan, I went and visited the house. Yeah. that's out in Cleveland. You know, so it was like, a, they, they made it a museum. And, and so that's still one of my favorites, you know, when they show that over and over again on the Hallmark Channel or whatever it is. Yeah, I could watch that two or three times uh, in, over the course of a year. As far as the song goes, you know, uh, there's there's a number of different ones that, you know, I could do. I, I don't have any specific favorite that, but I like I like the older songs. You know, yeah. I don't like I don't like like the Mariah Carey versions and stuff like that. I would rather listen to Burl Lives or Tony Bennett. Uh, right. You know, the people like that rather than not be generic and just pick Jingle Bells. Uh, yeah, I, I actually I kind of like the slower versions. You know what I mean? Like, so Jingle like, Bells or you know, like it's not really that so you you know, like, Jingle so Bell you Rock. Like, you know, if you're if you had enough yeah. if you had enough cocktails and you're with the right company, that that yeah. that song could be worthwhile. But that could be a yeah, rocking around the Christmas tree. I'm like that. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, anyway, so so today of course is Christmas Eve day. I forgot to re, uh, say this to Keith before he went on. He said it. So Merry Christmas to you, Pags. Hope uh, hope Christmas is good to you this year, and 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 hope your New Year is good too. So uh, we'll see you on Sunday after Christmas, hopefully with your Eagles preview, which we'll talk more in depth about the game uh, with the Giants, a uh, big one for you guys. But let's talk overall. You got three games NFC East, where you got the Giants, the Washington Football Team, and Dallas. And a lot of times at the end of the year, you play Dallas and you end up upsetting them and 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 not come out of the playoffs, which is is hilarious to me because I, you know, even though I'm an NFC guy, NFC East guy, um, and whoever gets in is me and Jack talked about, I, I root for them. I, you know, I hate Dallas with every fiber of my body. So 
uh, it's just great when I see the Eagles knock them off at the end of the year. Almost every year, it seems like, for the past few anyway. But you got three games in the NFC East. You take care of business. You should win two out of three at the least, Pags. If you take care of business and you don't, I don't know, do what you did against the Giants last time. Well, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, after going through Washington, obviously Washington didn't have a lot of their players with COVID. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of their, their defense was intact, really. It was their offense that was really hurting. So I, I fully expect that that game could really repeat itself down in Washington. I don't think Taylor Heineke makes a big difference. I knew that they would come out a little rusty, and they did in the first quarter. They had two turnovers, but when when the you know when the football team did not score that second touchdown and they only kicked a field goal, I knew at that point the Eagles were going to win that game, uh, and they did. They started to put it all together, and they and they they probably could have gone made that score much worse, uh, but they kind of sat back and just you know, let everything kind of happen the way it did. That being said, I think that the Giants are, are a mess now. So I think going into this game here, this is going to be a romp. I feel like that the Eagles, even on a short week, are going to take it to the Giants in a way that the Giants are not prepared for. And, I, you know, I, I would say most of the time they are close games. But I don't think this one's going to be. I think this is going to be – you know, an embarrassment to the Giants. I think the Eagles really want to, you know, smack them around and almost put the nail in the coffin on Judge. Yeah, I mean, you guys should. You guys, there's no reason why you guys shouldn't be able to beat the Giants pretty soundly this week. Um, the formula of of running the ball, playing good defense, and passing now and then sprinkling it works for you guys. And you seem to have been doing that uh, more and more lately. Um I think maybe we figured it out before the coach did, but you know he's got his own his own mind and what he thinks the Eagles should be, but he's kind of fell into that, and that's what you guys are doing now, and that's why I think you guys are playing a lot better than you have all year. I mean, I know this. I know the uh, Washington football team is not the best team out there. They're okay. I mean, they're they're not a bad bad team, but it was kind of you you took care of business like you were supposed to against a rival, so that was good. Um, well, you know what, and. and- when you think about that, like I said, their defensive their defense was kind of intact. It was their offense that was really hampered by by COVID. So to to run on them the way that we did, we've been running on teams like this now for seven weeks straight. I mean, the right. last time anything like this happened was the nineteen eighty five Bears, where we've run for over one hundred and seventy five yards for seven games straight, and literally we're averaging somewhere around two hundred yards a game rushing. And it's funny because at the beginning of the season, Eagles fans, and I I had mentioned that, you know, I had never heard chance saying run the ball. Yeah. So who knew that Eagles fans were so knowledgeable and and were right, you know, that running the ball was actually doing it. And, And it does so many different things for us where, you know, in the beginning of the season, we were losing against the time of possession. And now we're, you know, we had 10 minutes of time of possession over the, over the football team and going into the playoffs if we were to make it you know obviously san francisco losing yesterday gave dallas you know it was funny how that worked that dallas wound up winning the division because san francisco lost 
Now, who would have thought that at the beginning of the season that it's possible that two teams from the NFC East could actually make the playoffs after the year that they had last year? Yeah. So it's it's a little bit of a compliment to how this coaching staff has turned it around. You know, that they didn't, you know, they, they had the learning curve, we'll say. So it took a minute for them to figure it out. And now that they've got it figured out, they're able to move forward. And it seems like running the ball is come back in vogue this year. Yeah. You know, you had the Patriots win with only three passes. Then you had the Colts beat the Patriots with only, you know, you know they only had what, like 70 yards passing. So prolific running offenses – are becoming a little bit more back in vogue, we'll say, this year uh, in comparison to previous years. And running the ball is actually doing something uh, where you could actually have a prolific running offense where you're gaining as many yards as passing. You guys are a little over-enthusiastic, you know, talking about the Eagles' playoff chances. Three games left. They're clearly going to be underdogs to the Cowboys who are going to, you know, be trying to play well for seeding and just to keep a certain momentum going. The the Washington game is going to be a toss-up in Washington. They're going to have more players back. It's a game that could go either way when they play them, either way. The Eagles don't have an advantage in that game. It's a toss-up. And there's this little element with the Giants, and I'm not going to disagree. They're an absolute mess right now. But what about the element of Joe Judge mentioning last year, hinting they're going to want some type of revenge for the way the Eagles seem to tank against Washington and it deprived the Giants of getting into the playoffs last year? Is that element you think going to be there with the Giants? And if so, could it even help them at this point? Well, I I mentioned this uh, on my NFC East show to Sneaky. Sneaky G, uh, where I said that this is going to be their Super Bowl, that they're probably going to try to do everything they can to to put a big dent in the Eagles' playoff chances. The Eagles' chances actually went up last night because San Francisco lost. We actually went from a fifty percent chance to I think to a fifty eight percent chance, and that's now now we're above fifty percent on possibly making the playoffs, which is surprising who would have thought that in week 14 or 15 that we would be talking about playoffs you know it's that's that's really uh surprising however i thought that we were going to be 500 earlier in this season right bags right who thought who thought i thought i thought i thought that we would be above 500 at the end of the season but i didn't think nine and eight was going to make the playoffs so I, I still uh, I'm unsure whether nine and eight is going to make the playoffs for us. I think so I, but if I had to make a bet. If someone came to me with a proposition bet, the Eagles Eagles are either going to do one of these two things: they're either going to win their next three games or lose their next three games. I would bet on them to lose the next three if I had either or. See now that's where you start to play the you know the do 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 because I that's that's so far fetched. I mean, I like I said, I think the Giants are a mess. I think that they're going to come out swinging in the first quarter, and after the Eagles handle those punches and actually score a touchdown or two, they're going to pack it in, and you're going to see the Giants 
just become completely dismantled this week. I feel that the Eagles are going to put the nail in the coffin for Judge. I think that Judge stinks as a coach. I think he's a much better coordinator. And when it all comes down to it, like he had a chance against Dallas last week. I feel that had they gone to their backup quarterback instead of sticking with Gannon or whatever his name is, um, yeah, Glennon, for as long as they did, and they went to the backup quarterback, maybe at the beginning of the fourth, they could have won that game because the defense was playing good. The defense was playing good, and, you know, the offense was moving the ball. They were moving hey, the ball. They listen, couldn't put the puck in the net. I'll, 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 agree, I'll agree with one thing you're saying. I think Fromm would have given him a better chance to win if he went in maybe in the second half. Yeah, I can't guarantee the that they would have won that game. But the Dallas offense was horrible. Shane yeah. Fromm, a fifth-round fifth draft choice. Yeah, it does it, Jack. It doesn't matter. And the Raiders picked 199 in the draft. I don't want to hear about whether it was a fifth-round draft or the got a second win Exactly. Jack, you're better than Glennon. He's lucky he has a job in the NFL, and oh, yesterday he would have beaten God. the Cowboys. Uh, Listen, Mac has always tried to create a controversy. Did Jalen Hurts shut up the Eagle fans who were going along with Mac that maybe Minshew should be starting? Did he kind of put some distance between the two of them? based on the way he rallied after a slow start against Washington. I, I absolutely believe that. Uh, I feel that I feel that he cemented himself another year. That's that's the one thing. Obviously, the next three weeks are going to really tell a bigger difference. But I feel that he definitely cemented himself another year, and Minshew remains on the bench. You know, that's that's where Minshew's going to be. And, and I still think that Minshew is a good change of pace if – in the middle of a third quarter or fourth, you know, the start of a fourth quarter where you need to be able to, you know, you're not doing anything and things are falling apart. You've got to get somebody to change. He would be that guy who listen, would possibly you lead a, listen, a comeback. You want, Beyond you that, I don't expect it. that. If you want I think Hurts is the guy. If you want Hurts to be the guy, you can't do that to him. Brady had some terrible games. So has Breeze. A lot of quarterbacks have – great quarterbacks have had bad games. The reason why yeah, they're so good – the reason if you're why going for a playoff run right now, bags, you cannot take bags, that chance. No, you can't do that to your starting quarterback. If you want him to be a good quarterback, you don't pull him out. If you're in a Pax playoff, knows doing, what he's talking you know, about. See, see, you know, the- see, see. Now you know you're wrong. Listen, if you want him <laughs> to be a good quarterback, if you want him to be your quarterback, you don't do that to him. They didn't do it to Brady. They didn't do it to Breeze. They didn't do it to any of the great quarterbacks. If Terry Bradshaw was having a bad game, they didn't take him out and put a hand ready in. That's not See, what you uh, do. You know, the, the truth of the matter is, is that I don't know that we really need to worry about this because as long as the run game is as strong as it is right now, we're never going to really run it. It's going to be close games. It so depends that there's on the never going to be a point where Greg, it depends on how far you want to go in the playoffs. Yeah, a good running game with an okay quarterback, you're probably not going to make the Super Bowl. Not you can't. Full shoulders, you could. I'm saying 90% of the time, you need a good quarterback to at least that can make a play when he has to, which Foles did a lot. 
We don't know if Hurst is that yet in a big situation. If you're going to pull him out and put somebody else in, then you're telling him he's not good enough, and there goes Hurts. You don't do that to your starting quarterback. You yeah, I, I'm not, but I'm not talking about that where all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, you stink this game, so now we're going to just get rid of you and put in the backup quarterback. I'm saying that if you need a spark to try to get something moving, you're going to have to do something, especially when you're in a playoff run. I don't know that it's going to even come down to that because I feel that we stomped the Giants this week. I feel that the Washington game is going to be as close as it was this past week. I think that the Eagles will still come out ahead. And then I think that Dallas is already going to have its seating. Uh, so I don't know. They're going to rest their players because I feel that we're going to be back-to-back with Dallas. I feel that whatever happens in, in week 18, that it's going to wind up we're going to wind up having to go to Dallas and play them in the playoffs. Pack simple feel- math. Does nine and eight get the Eagles in the playoffs? Nine and eight. Because realistically, they're not going to win all three games. Two out of three is a realistic goal. I uh, so I'll be honest. It's going to depend on uh, the fact that the fact that they lost yesterday. The uh, uh, 49ers uh, helped. But realistically, it's going to depend more on the Vikings. I think I think everybody, I think there's going to be a lot of teams nine and eight. And if we're all nine and eight, I think that I think the Eagles are on the outside looking in. No, you have you have you have tiebreakers, Jeff. Uh, uh, Not against the Vikings. Well, the Vikings, you don't you you don't, but the Saints, you do. Listen, yeah, but the Saints, three, yeah, so but the Saints are going to be on the outside looking in too because it'll be the Rams. It'll be the Rams and the Wild Saints. Cards. If they beat Miami, it changes things. What if if they're multiple team tiebreakers? They, there's going to be there's going to be multiple team tiebreakers. I feel like there's going to be a log jam at nine and eight, and I feel mm-hmm. that the 49ers make it in, and then the Vikings have the tiebreaker over us, and then us the Saints and Atlanta or or Carolina, if either one of them even get to nine and eight. Atlanta and Carolina, they won't listen, get that. Listen, this is the teams, these are the teams that are that are eligible to go in, right? You got the four right now that are leading the Rams and the, the Cardinals are tied for first. One of those teams are going to be a wild card, right? There's three right. of them. Second's going right. to be San Francisco. There's no doubt in my mind. San Francisco is going to be that second wild card. The third wild card is where you guys are going to come in or don't come in. Right and now, that becomes against Minnesota, who plays the Rams this week. Right. San Francisco, who plays the Rams the last week of the season. Mm-hmm. New Orleans actually have a pretty easy schedule in the grand scheme of things, but the Dolphins are in a playoff hunt right now. They're the still Dolphins trying to get AFC. that third spot. They're in the AFC. We ain't worried about well, that. Yeah, but that, I'm talking about the Dolphins going up against the Saints. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I understand. I understand. So, so that's, games, that's where we're, we're coming into this. I have my <laughs> notes. Look at this. I even have notes of this already Uh-oh. to go. So Uh-oh. Pags I, I already know what, where, where we're at with things. Right. So, so anyway, what I'm saying right now is that if you guys get in, it's probably going to be the last wild card. Probably. That's what it looks Correct. like to me. All right? I, I, I'm not worried. I think Minnesota is going to lose. Uh, at least one, at least one game. You're going to lose at least one game. It's going to come down to the last game of the season. But I still think that you're going to be one of the wild cards. I think you'll beat out Minnesota. That's well, what and I would, that's and that's going to depend on it because the Ram, they got the Rams, the Packers, and the Bears. And exactly. I feel like they beat the Bears, but the Packers are going to be a tough one because the Packers are still going for the right. number one seed. The Rams. the Rams are still trying to fight for a playoff spot. Division. So I think that they lose two games then we're in for that spot. But as that's, of right now, it's Minnesota because we already have the tiebreaker against it. the Saints. That's it. That's so the Saints are worry. behind us. We're looking forward against Minnesota. That's that, it. 
It's the 49ers, the 49ers are going to, if we have the same record, they're going to be ahead of us because they beat us head to head. Exactly. So that's those the, are the, those are the difference. The 49ers are in. Realistically, it comes down to you and Minnesota. You guys got the easier schedule. Minnesota has to beat the Rams in Green Bay. Very hard to do. You have to beat the Giants and, 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 and the old Skins team, which to me is a lot easier than what they got. So this, I is, why I think, this is why I think you guys would get in over Minnesota. And that's the only reason. The Minnesota, I, and, I, and I absolutely agree with you. I yeah. feel that I feel that we could we could very potentially you know, possibly win out. And the only reason why I say we're going to win out is because I think Dallas is going to rest on Week 18, and it would then put us, you know, give us that win and put us in the playoffs. And I think, like I said, I believe to go back down to Dallas and play them in the Super Wild Card. This is the first year of the Super Wild Card where we have six games instead of four. I don't know, man. I don't know if you'll beat Dallas. I don't. I don't know if you can beat Dallas. You might. You might. You know, well, you we be. I, I'm not talking about. I'm talking last week of the season, not yeah. in the playoffs. Not playoffs is a different scenario. I, I think I Dallas is going to rest. I think that you're not going to see the full Dallas team out there, and mm -hmm. that's why. And that's the only reason. I, I'm it, not that, saying that. We, you know, and I'd love to see us go up against Dallas. I'd love to see Dallas going and still fighting for that number one spot in the last week of the season because it would really be a very good uh you know line to see where we're at going into the playoffs if we're well, I agree. I, listen there's nothing like competition there's nothing saying you can't beat them at full strength i'm just saying more likely than not you won't that's all just look at it i team. agree i i, I <laughs> think right now dallas on paper is the better team yeah, and that that's going to make a big difference, and and we'll see. I think you got to take it a week at a time. The Giant game, I wouldn't be as dismissive of the Giants' chances as you guys are. I mean, because the law of averages say the Giants have to play a decent game. They're due for it, and they have a lot of motivation in this game. You know, it, and they, yeah, there's still talent on the team. They're Who's starting quarterback today, this week? It should be from. It should. They should get. I agree. I agree. It should be from. But I think it's going to be Glennon again. Well, yeah. But if it is Jake from, he hasn't. He just played his first NFL snap. He was a fifth round draft choice. It doesn't matter. Glennon going to do? Who cares? The season's over. Play the kid. Glennon ain't playing good. I agree. See what he's got. That point we agree with. See what you have. Could he at least be a capable backup and maybe he, even more? He, you he, never yeah, know. You got to find out. I mean, realistically, you got. I mean, do you think Daniel Jones is the answer? I mean, I, I guess we're going to find out what the Giants are really made of right now, especially whether they're going to keep this coach or not. I feel that the Giants are about to go into a, a massive overhaul Judge is completely. Judge Starting from the general manager on down, yeah, and I Jay, think that listen. I think that because of that, they got to see exactly what they got with everybody, Pags. and you're going to have to Pags. get everybody on the Pags. field. And I Pags. felt that Fromm gave them a little bit better chance against the Cowboys, and the fact that he didn't put him in sooner kind of sealed the fate of uh, Judge. Uh, listen, listen, let me tell you, Judge will be there next year. They're going to give him three years. They're not going to just fire him after two. That just makes sense. GM might be gone. Now you might be right there. But Jones will be around. He's the cheapest commodity they got at quarterback. He's the best option they have at quarterback right now without giving up the farm. There's no quarterback coming out in the draft. So what are they going to do? Go get Russell Wilson, give away all the draft picks? I don't I'll see get that. Minshew from the Eagles. And the Minshew is not – Minshew is another Daniel Jones, basically. 
So unless, yeah, well, unless, unless if Fromm plays well, like you're saying, then maybe Jones has a little competition next year because he's a kid. Maybe that's maybe that's the answer. Maybe he's that Brady, that uh, Dak, you know, Dak Prescott. He's that. Who knows? We'll find out. But they do got to give him a chance to play because we got to see what we got there, right? We already know what we got with Glennon, which is a quarterback that throws more interceptions than touchdowns. That's what we got with Glennon right now. Right. So, folks, we got to get out of here. Have a Merry Christmas. It's Christmas Eve. Um, we'll have some show on for you tomorrow. Uh, me and Jack will be taking Christmas Day off and be with our families, and at least I will be. And I imagine Jack down in Florida will be having a white Christmas like me. So, folks, have a great day. Have a great Christmas. We'll see you Sunday with the big football show, as we always do, with our, our guest that comes in every week, Pags, and, of course, me, Jack, and Jim Jeffcoat. Have a great night, everybody. Enjoy your Christmas, and I hope – your team wins and you get every gift you want. Have a great day.